Hey, good day, and welcome into Bethel Atlanta Chats. I'm your host, Kevin Kuntz, alongside the beautiful, wonderful, gorgeous, talented, and skinny, I'm not going to forget that, <laughs> Rachel. It is every time, and I want you to know, I literally never get tired of hearing that. <laughs> Thanks, babe! I got your back. I got your back. I super appreciate you. So BA Chats, Bethel Atlanta Chats, is just an, an opportunity that we're so happy to have to kind of focus on the really cool people in our body and just our area and just honestly, Jesus, we all know he's amazing. He's super amazing in people and it's so fun to just look at him super closely in folks. So that's what BA Chats is, just what is Jesus doing? What is he doing in his people? What is he doing in our area? Yep. It's um, the testimonies of the people that are around here. And the great thing, I love the word testimony means do, do it, it again, again, God. And so this is our opportunity for you to be able to be invited into the do it again. So listeners, no kidding. I want you to consider this an invitation. Like this is invitation and permission. The people that you hear on here, it's, it's just your beautiful Jesus in them. And so he loves you the same. So today, we are with the <laughs> angels are singing in heaven and on earth. Two of our favorite people, and I, I do not say it lightly, Ron and Carolyn Book. Oh my goodness. Like we could go on and on and on about you guys. We are going to go on and on and on about you guys. We love you. Thank you for coming. Oh, thank you for having it's us. It's awesome this to is... be here, and we love you guys too. Yeah. We <laughs> never so doubt it. Never, <laughs> ever, ever. It is it is not only spoken, but more shown. Uh, you guys yep. are great communicators of love. So thank you. Now, Ron and Carolyn do a beautiful thing at Bethel. And so we wanted you guys to tell us just a little bit about what are you, how are you serving in our body? Well, currently we are elders and we are also director of missions. And that's been pretty exciting. Our our missions program is is new and developing and we are just trying to hear from the Lord and know exactly what he wants us to do, but it's it's why we went to Mozambique, which I think is why you wanted us to be here tonight, to just share a little bit about yes. what happened in Mozambique. It is absolutely why we wanted you here so. tonight. But first, I'd like to know, why missions? Have you guys always been interested in missions? Is this like a, like, what's the history, Ron? Can you tell us, are, are you missions people? Do you just love it? or? Well, my aunt and uncle were missionaries in Japan for years. They went over in like 1955 and they were there for probably 30 years before they brought their daughters home to go to college. But, um, and then, uh, when I, I was, when I was, uh, probably 10 or 12, uh, after Christmas one year, my dad took me down to Mexico to a now, not a Navajo, but it, but it was an Indian reservation down there, and uh, we spent three or four days froze to death because it was winter time. But had a you know it was just a great experience, and I think that was my first um, touch you know into missions for myself. And then when I was twenty, I went to Africa uh, with the church and went over and, and did building and uh, was there for about a year and a half. Whoa! So, nice. I didn't a year and a half. Yeah, in Zambia, that's <laughs> that's a completely different like culture shift. Like yeah, <laughs> all together. It sure was. I, I th the first three months were tough. We, I was out <laughs> on a mission station with one couple that was about my parents' age, 
and uh, and nobody else, and it was uh, it was tough. Nobody to, other than them to communicate with, and no f- friends my age. And there were some other guys there uh, in the area, but but about thirty miles away. And that was probably like two or three hundred miles today. When you're out in the bush, you just don't go jump in your car and go see them. So wow, and that was at twenty years old. Yeah. Ryan, wow. But, I mean, was that a motivation? Were you even thinking then, I love the mission field? Or were you just thinking, this is a booger? (laughs) (laughs) Survive! It's something that I wanted to do, and uh, and I think that it kind of propelled me into more of a love for missions. I don't think I was thinking then that I really love missions, but it was building that in me. Wow, great. So you're saying this goes back to 10 and then 20. Carolyn, what about you? Have you always been missions-minded? Yes. I went on my first mission trip when I was 16. Uh, My church did mission trips with the high school department, and so for years I waited until I was finally old enough to be able to get to go. Oh, so you were wanting to. So this is dreaming for you. I really wanted to do it. Nice. It was a real culture shock to I went to Mexico and to see people who lived in huts and, you know, just total different lifestyle. I remember when I got home, it was the day before Easter, and at Easter time, my mother always had new dresses, new socks, new shoes, new purse, <laughs> new gloves, new hat, and she it's was ready season. to go shopping when I got off of the mission trip, and I'm like, no. Really, yeah. you couldn't do it. Yeah, it was years before I could have a new Easter dress. You know, that was just a response to seeing poverty that didn't really help other people. Mm. But my my heart was definitely touched, and went back to Mexico many times while I lived in California. And um, as my children were growing up, I didn't do missions, and I thought giving money was probably much more valuable than spending the money to take me there but eventually I realized that's ac- not what Jesus asked us to do he didn't say send your money he said go so so I started going back into missions back in the, the 90s when my kids were getting old enough to manage without mom at home oh my goodness so, wow. this is great you need to tell them about getting arrested for passing out Bibles in Mexico <laughs> what? how do we okay I didn't know the Japanese. We have convicts on our show. <laughs> You're getting arrested here. This is going away. This is great. When did you get arrested? Yes. I got arrested in Mexico, and that's really not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but my crime good answer, good answer. was selling New Testaments for a peso, which was about eight cents. And because of their culture, if you gave it to them, they wouldn't value it. But if they paid for it, it would be of value. And we were in a Catholic area that where none of the people had Bibles. So we were just trying to get God's word in their hands. And we would talk to them and show them different verses and try and lead them to the Lord. You know, it was. But anyway, I, I went to a, a government official's house and got nailed. He, came after me later in the day. So. Oh, my word. How old were you? I was 16. Okay. Wow. <laughs> were you scared out of your boots? <laughs> Not really? Uh, it's, it's difficult when somebody's got a revolver pointed to your head <gasps> and Whoa. you don't speak his language. It's very difficult. 
So I was just praying. Whoa. Yeah, this is not what we're here to do <laughs> tonight. Okay. Let's talk about Mozambique. Yeah. I am I'm happy so, we took a second to hear I this. I know, but man, you are getting it right here. This is the exclusive. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. You BA heard chats. it first on BA Chats. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Okay, so yes, missions has, has been a love for a long time. Wonderful. And it's brought you here, Bethel Atlanta, directors of missions. Most recent mission trip was to Mozambique. Yes, we want to hear about this. Can you guys give some favorite moments, some things that impacted you? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll just start with the flight to Mozambique. We flew to Johannesburg and met the team which uh, was with Leif Hetland and then uh, and Scotty and uh, there was twenty others of us that went, were on that team, and uh, so we were there a couple of days before we flew to Pemba, and um, uh, then we when we were getting on the plane uh, going to Pemba, here comes Heidi Baker, <laughs> and we didn't know that she was going to be on the on the plane with us, but it was kind of special, and she talked to us you know a little bit. Um, yeah, but anyways, after the plane took off, um, after, when the seatbelt sign went off, she got up and just started walking down the aisles and talking to people and ministering to them. And I found out later that she had left California on Saturday night and flew Saturday night, all day Sunday, Sunday night and Monday morning and landed in Johannesburg <laughs> And then got on this plane Monday afternoon, another three-hour flight. And, it's, and like I said, as soon as they, she could stand up and start walking down the aisle, she was up ministering to people after flying for whatever, 40 hours, 35 hours or whatever. So pretty incredible. And I was just amazed by her and uh, just her willingness and desire to meet people and, and pour into them no matter how tired she was. Goodness yeah. gracious. So for folks that are listening who might not know, Heidi Baker, were you guys headed to go to Heidi Baker's? She's with Iris Ministries. You right. want to tell us just right. a little bit about them? Yeah. Yes. Um, we went to the Iris base in Pemba, Mozambique, and it's also where Heidi and Roland Baker live. They've been missionaries for years and years, and I didn't know about them until I came to Bethel and I went to the School of Supernatural Ministry and one of the books that we read was Always Enough by mm. yes. Heidi and Roland Baker <laughs> and I read this and it was one of those books you couldn't put down and I was just amazed at all that God was doing in Mozambique and uh, the base that we were at is one of 67. They are in several countries. And they started by ministering to orphans, but now they have they have a public school there in Pemba, and they pay for all these children that are too poor for their parents to send them to school. Because you pay for school in Mozambique. Yes. It's not free yeah. public yeah. education. Okay. So they have a couple of thousand children in their school, and they are wow. s- starting a university, and <laughs> oh. they have a, a medical clinic. They feed the hungry every day, and they are in the process of opening a maternity ward, which is a big building that's just been built, and now they're just waiting on staff. 
I would agree. They, they had so much going on there. I, I looked at what they were doing, and I would say that the task that God has given them is similar to the task that Moses had. It's that magnitude wow. of what you see, what they're doing. It's, it's just incredible. So I didn't get to see what Moses did. But I've, I was reminded <laughs> yeah. of what Moses did when I stood on and walked the road through their base. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is how God does it in a really big way. It's just awesome wow. to see. Moses 2017. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there are such wild stories surrounding all of those. I mean, just the little bit that you told Carolyn. You guys are going to have to help me tell all these. But if, if I'm not mistaken... Heidi Baker, when she was younger, had learning disabilities. Am I remembering this correctly? I think she was dyslexic, and the Lord helped her overcome that. And then he sent her. She's graduated now from an Ivy League school, correct? Yep, right. that's right. Is this right? Mm-hmm. And when she when he told her to go, her her response was, um, <laughs> "But you know, I, I struggled through just regular school. Why are and but she went and she was faithful. And then when she, she earned that degree and did great. And then when she heard the Lord, when they heard the Lord to have this university, she said it started to, you know, she was like, oh, oh, I would need an education if I'm, gonna, if I'm going to activate educators. educators. That's awesome. So, I mean, there are just these wild stories around every single thing that you just told about Iris mm-hmm. Ministries. And yeah. um, if, I ha- if I would love to recommend anybody who's not familiar, there is a documentary called Compelled by Love, and it's about Heidi and Roland Baker. Have you guys seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, my word. Here's a box of tissue and get ready. (laughs) It's a life changer. Really so wonderful. It's a life changer. So how did you guys, you were ministering with Leif and Leif was ministering with Heidi? Yes, Leif was a speaker at her harvest school, which is international students that come and stay for three months. Okay. And he also spoke at her Bible school, which is for the Mozambican pastors. Nice. And he spoke different places. We didn't follow him around for everything that he did. But gotcha. Okay. Well, then, and those for those who don't know, too, Leif Hetland. What is the name of Leif's ministry? Is it just Leif Hetland Ministries? Global Mission Awareness. Global Machine. Mission Awareness. Mm-hmm. Here in Peachtree City is their base. Is that yes, correct? That's correct. Okay. And they're another ministry that's like. <laughs> yeah. I, yes. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. I had no idea that that awesome stuff was going on on the planet. But. Wow, so how are you guys ministering with these people? Is this just the Lord? Have you just how did you hook up with with global awareness and with Iris Ministries? Well, we wanted to do a trip with Leif since he is in our church and we're with the mission department. We just wanted to let him know that we supported him and so we thought, well, we should go on one of his trips. So when we heard that one of them was going to Mozambique to the Heidi Baker home site, I thought, oh, wow, (laughs) two birds with one stone, I'm going. That's amazing. So we heard that you guys saw some marvelous healings in Mozambique. Is this true? Oh, it is. (laughs) uh, We went on outreach. We left on Thursday and came back Friday night. Before we left, our, our host at the visitor center at Pemba at Heidi's uh, compound told us that um, when they go on outreach or whenever they pray for for a deaf person, 
they always get healed. They, it's 100%. So he was, he was telling us this. And so we, we go, and that night um, they're showing the Jesus film, which they do every time they go out into the bush. And, and it's in the local language. And so at the end of the film, then they ask for people who want to believe on Jesus. And there's always a lot that do. And then Heidi asks, is there anyone here that's deaf? Do you, do you know anybody here that's deaf? Because obviously a deaf person can't hear. And so they, they, there's four boys that I think were about, it was dark, but I think they're probably 10 to 14, somewhere in that vicinity. And they, they came up and every one of them was born deaf. Born deaf. So they never, never had hearing. And she prays for all four of them and all four of them get healed. And then she gives them, asks them to say, Mama, Papa, and Jesus. And they all do. It's, it's real simple. You can tell that it's the first time they ever spoke, but they're speaking. And then and that was just awesome. People were cheering, and, 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 she, and she, she had, like, you know, family members verify this. Do you know that this person is your son, and, and he was born deaf, and, and they would verify that. And then later we were, you know, uh, watch, they had the, these guys up on the back of a truck. This was the platform that they used, and uh, they were playing music. And, and I have a video of these four boys dancing, hearing the music and dancing. It was oh, really awesome. God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how you could just keep from not sobbing. I don't think you did. You well, probably didn't. <laughs> you just sobbed. <laughs> I am again. (laughs) (laughs) Completely appropriate. Completely appropriate. There was also somebody there that had a deformed limb that got healed that night. And that was all that I know of. But the the deaf guys, that was just crazy. And and, and the the faith that they have that that this happens 100% of the time, it's like just not an option for anybody that's deaf to get prayed for and not get healed. Wow. So. I like that. So, so Ron, why don't you tell us uh, tell us uh, some things that were really impactful for you on this trip, and um, that just some testimonies or even stories that 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 really ministered to you that people need to hear. Um, does that make sense? A lot of what we did was was um, like ministry in the harvest school, but. Uh, I don't even think I told you this yet, Carolyn, but we were, like the third day we were there, they took us to our team, you know, Leif's team, to uh, a hospital. And uh, so they split us up. Half of us went into the maternity ward. Half went into the maternity ward. The rest of us went into the regular, another ward. And uh, so I was in the, in the not in the maternity ward, but... Um, and so we were praying for people that, that were in there with injuries and about 95% of them that were in there were motorcycle injuries, <laughs> kind of weird. But um, anyways, we, you know, we, the la- one of the last guys we prayed for, uh, there was four or five of us standing around him, and I just put my hand on his right shoulder and, you know, was praying for him, you know, but, but uh, one, of the, one of the 
team was leading the prayer, and, and afterwards they asked him if, if uh, he could tell anything different, and he said he felt better, but he said, especially in my right shoulder, all the pain left. You know, and I was just kind of resting on him. I wasn't really <laughs> going after that, but I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> you weren't, like, pushing that extreme faith out there. You just had your hand on him, yeah. and we're believing. Yeah. Wow, I love that. What yeah. were those hospitals like? Not good. Really? <laughs> Not good. They uh, they need a lot of help, but it was kind of a typical kind of hospital setting. We've been in hospitals before in other countries, and it's at least they're getting some level of care. But pretty much the the families have to come in and feed the patients and take care of their cleaning and stuff. Uh, you know, they've the pa- patients been attended by a doctor, but the the families pretty much do everything else for them after the fact after the surgery or whatever yeah wow so a great place to go and pray for folks so we took um like we bought pack you know like a case of packaged cookies and took them in and just passed them out to you know the people as we went through and so they were glowing with uh thankfulness that somebody would do that for them wow Mm. (laughs) a cookie can change yeah yeah wow Good favorite moment. Carolyn, what was it that stood out to you? Did you have a favorite thing that happened? <laughs> Can you pick? <laughs> I think going uh, on outreach, we went into the bush to a tribe called the Makandi tribe. And Heidi had gotten permission to bring us. Can you explain? I'm sorry to interrupt you. Can you explain what the bush means? So some people the might, bush? Uh, yeah, what, is the, what does it mean to go into the it, bush? It means you're, there's not a McDonald's and there's not... <laughs> Plumbing, there's, there's not electricity. Wow. You're, you're out in the bush. There were good roads that led up to it. But that's pretty much it. Yeah. Okay, so, roads. So Thank you. Heidi says her, her favorite place is the bush. She loves to go on outreach. And wow. she and, and her husband and their team have been ministering to this tribe for some time. But the tribe has never had white people come. Wow. And Heidi said they don't see her and Roland as white people that they consider them to be Mozambicans. So she, she gave him a list of who we were and what country we came from and what we did for a living and got permission from the chief to bring white people in for the first time. For the first time you guys were the first, this tribe was considered uh, one of the most hard to reach tribes for the Lord. Uh, There, they, have a reputation for being fierce warriors, and because they were so fierce, uh, nobody ever took any slaves from the Makandi tribe during the years of slavery. And uh, you're saying because they could defend themselves, nobody they could kill in- anybody that gets near them. Wow. So they, they have this as their reputation. Wow. wow. So that was a first for me. So how that feel? (laughs) (laughs) What's going through your mind? You know, I I wasn't the first group that ever went in there. I was just like the first white people that they saw. But sure, by now this tribe that was a hundred percent Muslim plus ancestor worship, eighty percent of them are Christians now. Oh my word! So I felt very loved. I felt very safe. Oh, wow. Um, Heidi said that they used to go into these tribes and they would get stoned. 
over and over and over again. They get stoned. And then the Lord told her that she needed to go in low and to be very honoring to the chiefs, not be teaching the gospel, but just love on the chiefs. And so she went to the chief in Pimba, where she lives, and asked what she could do for him, and he wanted to educate his children. So she built this school, and they're educating children. So I don't know what was the first thing she did for the Makandi tribe, but she gained their, their trust and over the years has built a relationship with them. Guys, can we talk about this just for a second? This so moves me. I love this. I had heard that a similar story like that about this group of folks, and they were getting stoned, and the Lord told them to go in low, and so they started like basically just, just honoring the kings and queens of the tribes and things like that, and it reminded me of a, a phrase, uh, uh, my mentor, best friend, helper, wonderful, extraordinary at home, used to tell me all the time, um, you have to learn to love your mission field mm. because you don't have influence over people that you don't love. That's right. And so that the, the story that you just told mm-hmm. about Iris is maybe the most striking story I've ever heard illustrating that. That I mean, truly, they, <laughs> how do you minister to people? Uh, in that particular situation, it's not what you're saying. It, it was building a school, like honoring them and loving them, and, and that's how the gospel is being preached. And that and fierce warriors, those are the words you use. That's amazing. Yes. So as applied to where we are, what if we're called to Peachtree City, Georgia? What if we're called to Fayetteville, Georgia, or Tyrone, Georgia? We're, if we're called to Georgia, I mean, to learn to love our mission field like that, what does that look like? And I'm, I'm asking us, I'm asking the listeners, not everybody's called to Mozambique. I mean, everybody may, hopefully we all go for a smidge, yeah. but we're all called where we are. So what does it's it look like course. for us to love our mission field like that? To get into the culture to where, I mean, the bakers that you're talking about, they couldn't be any more white. Heidi looks like you. That's a white woman with blonde hair. And didn't she even have light eyes? Mm -hmm. Yes. And they consider her Mozambican because she has loved that mission field. And if you can't see that natural difference, that is supernatural. That's true. Yeah. And I I just love it. It's a result from loving that mission field to the point, you know, they've become Mozambican. So what does that look like for us if we're called here? to love our mission field. I mean, what kind of criticism falls off of us? You know what I mean? What kind of just critical nature falls off of us for the place that we are and the, the religious this and the South and the United and all this stuff that swirls. And I'm thinking, you know what? If we're called here, <laughs> we need to go low and learn to love our mission field. That's good, babe. I think it starts in our intimate time with the Lord. And mm-hmm. as we... As we engage with his heart, then we're going to feel the compassion and the love because he loves everybody. It doesn't matter what they're doing, what they've been up to. He's all over them with his love. And, you know, there are times when people are offensive, when when they do something that we're, like, appalled by. But they stone you. They try to kill you. If you're feeling, if if you're feeling what the Lord feels, you're not going to feel appalled or offended. You're you're going to just have love. Maybe they're hating you, but your response, you're going to realize, oh my goodness, I love you, and I really care about you, and I really want you to know the kind of love that I have in my heart. So 
you guys do this brilliantly. So I want to spend just a second here just and, and just just talk about this, unpack this just a little bit. Ron, you are known for magic hugs, if that's even a thing. It is so <laughs> true. This man, this woman, you guys are known for your love. And Ron, in particular, your when did the hug thing start? For, for those of you that don't know Ron, he literally can come up and hug you, and, and the atmosphere, the inside world changes at that point. Mm-hmm. I mean, just full acceptance and love and comfort. And how For me, it started on our first date. <laughs> <laughs> I had never had a guy come in and give me a hug, you know, on the first date. I mean. Which was how long ago? Uh, 46 Seven years. Yeah. We'll Let's be celebrating our 46th anniversary this month. That's awesome. Round yeah. of applause mm. for you guys. Yeah, so. so literally, though, you're saying that you were feeling the power that Ron was walking in that kind of acceptance and yeah. love and comfort 47 years it, ago. It wasn't a, a lustful hug. Mm-hmm. You know, it was you something know. else. And I, I noted yeah. it like, ooh, that's different. That's so I, I Talk to us about this, Ron <laughs> book. <laughs> yeah. We want to know. I don't know that I ever really thought about it much, um, but when after we moved to Georgia, we were going to a, a Baptist church, and the pastor was really a, just a warm guy. And you know, when we'd go out the door at, at the end of the service, he'd always give me a hug, and I think that's kind of got me starting to hug other people you know I know I know I hug my wife but you know like other people and and um, but I never really thought about it being something special until our first year in Bassam Bethel Atlanta School of Supernatural Ministry and um, and I would hug people and they'd say wow what you know thank you and and they'd tell somebody else you need to go over there and get a hug from him you know from Ron and and I, you know, and, and I, I didn't really know that it was anything special, but it's, it's obviously something that, that God's put on me to impart to other people. So, um, yeah. I was telling Rachel, um, over dinner, I said, you know, Ron and Carolyn, they hug, they hug people like a father would hug a son or a father would hug a daughter or a mom when you know, their child, like it. It's exactly what it feels like. Um, and you're right. It is transferable. Yeah. So um, so with that in mind. The history of the hug. The history of now the hug. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, man, there are times you'll hug me. I'll just cry for a little bit. So <laughs> Regularly. No, really. really regular it's true. So much comfort. <laughs> yeah. Both of you guys, just so much comfort. And again, I would, I would say acceptance. So um, with that being said. What kind of opportunities did you have to do that in Mozambique? A lot. I mean, the, <laughs> yeah. the kids loved it. I've got lots of pictures, you know, where the kids would just sit in our lap and let us hold them. Um, I remember the first, well, the second day we were there, we went out to a school and sat on the floor, and all 20 of us were sitting around <clears throat> with about three or four kids hanging on each of us. <laughs> And just, you know, some of the ladies that had long hair, the kids were running their fingers through their hair and stuff. And But it was just like, you know, every place you turned around, people were wanting to be touched and loved. And uh, so it was it was massive. Wonderful. <laughs> That's so great. So wonderful. I love these stories. Can you guys tell us, 
Tell us more about Mozambique. We are hungry to know. We want to hear the stories, the beautiful stories. Well, let me tell you, um, I remember Scotty telling us before we went, you know, about the outreach. And she said, he told us like the next, the first morning that after that we've been there on outreach, that Heidi always served coffee and, uh, and it was great coffee. Well, <laughs> and that sure enough, she did. She, she made huge barrels of coffee to uh, five gallon, you know, like two or three or four or five gallon pails of, of coffee. And, but the story is behind, behind this, that, the one of the first times she went out into the the bush, uh, the Lord told her to buy coffee and make coffee out in the bush and serve it. And at that time, coffee was hard to get in Mozambique. It was like, I'm, I want to say twenty dollars a kilo, which is about twenty dollars a pound. It was really expensive. And so, and, and she said, Lord, I, you know, I don't have that kind of money. And he said, you need to buy some coffee and take it with you. And so she did. And, um, and she served it and, and, and the, and, and, um, the people start crying and she asked why. And they said, because we have never been allowed by the Portuguese to have coffee. Oh. They, it was never available. And for you, to service coffee, a white person to service coffee was like the ultimate um, blessing. And it just opened things up for her. And, you know, you were asking a little while ago, what do we do in our community? And I think it's to listen and to find out what people need and what touches them. And then the ministry starts. Oh, wow. So beautiful. That's so great. That's so helpful to know the need and then just to minister at that point. What is it that's special? Yeah. Oh, that's going to have me thinking. Coots, you just heard what I'm going to be thinking about for the next who knows how long. <laughs> oh, that's so helpful. Great. Carolyn, you, story. <laughs> well, one of my, my favorite testimonies of what I've experienced there was while we were out in the bush, I shared this with Rachel, who likes to take pictures, that Roland Baker is always taking pictures of whatever's going on. And so he had his camera, and he was trying to take a picture, and a couple of our team members were kind of in his way, blocking the view. So he, he took a couple of steps up to them, and he touched Eve on her shoulder, and she had no idea who he was. She started to turn and look at him, but she fell backwards, hit the ground, laughing uproariously. And I knew, you know, she's <laughs> got hit by the Holy Spirit. And her friend, Cindy, these girls are from Singapore, and they go to a traditional Methodist church. <laughs> and they went to a conference that Leif spoke at and t got touched by the Father's love. So then online they saw that Leif was taking a team to Mozambique, so they signed up for that. But they really, uh, they oh had wow. never seen the Holy Spirit manifest like that. So anyway, Cindy looks down at Eve and she goes, what happened to you? And Roland goes and he leans forward and he touches her and he says this. And she hits the ground laughing. They're on their backs. Their knees are pulled up to their chests, and they are just 
rolling, laughing, <laughs> laughing. And they told me later that when they'd start to feel like they could stand up, that Roland would pretend he was going to take their picture, and they, it would just start all over. So later, back at the camp, they're like, what was that? <laughs> and uh, then they said that they had talked it over and decided it must have been the joy of the Spirit. And I said, that sounds good. Yeah. That, that sounds, sounds like a real great good. explanation. <laughs> so just to be clear, <laughs> he was moving him out of the way. To, he, he was just, taking pictures. He was trying to do was take a picture. Okay, <laughs> let's talk about this for folks that are completely unfamiliar. What is that? That's the anointing that he carries. And later in the week, I got touched by that. And it's. Tell us about that. Well. Can you put it into words? You know, I, I don't know how to explain that. But we, we were called forward in their Sunday morning service. They said they wanted to pray over the visitors. And this was right at the end of worship, which was awesome. And now, are these kids they, praying for you? Or are these the they started with the children. <laughs> that makes my the heart ch- sing. Children came in and so the, the ministry time took about an hour. And they had children and then they had Mozambicans and then the missionaries that prayed for us. And it was all really powerful. And then Leif was, you know, being ministered to just like we were, but he was the speaker. So <laughs> he gets introduced, and I'm feeling sorry for him because I'm really glad I don't need to stand up <laughs> and walk. <laughs> <laughs> and he gets up there, and, and I remember him saying something about, if, if you want more of, of the Holy Spirit, if you just want to know the presence of God more, just raise your hand so... You know, I raise my hands, and I feel somebody tap me, and I'm thinking maybe they need me to get out of their way so they can get on the stage. And I turn, and it's Roland. (laughs) And then he puts his hand on me, and I started doing the limbo, which I wouldn't (laughs) think at 67 I could, like, go down, touch the ground, back up. (laughs) I don't know. You're pretty fit. (laughs) You're pretty fit. My body was just... (laughs) (laughs) And then... I, I remember just kind of falling backwards and, and spinning. And, and this sounds very awkward, but I was just in the spirit. I didn't care what was happening to my body. I was just enjoying the presence of the Lord. And I, I hit the ground. I landed on somebody. Uh, an hour later, she came and got her shoes that were still under me. <laughs> <laughs> nice little lady. She crawled out from underneath wow. me. And... And I just laid there, and I felt such rest. I mean, never have I known such rest. And I was just perfectly still, just in a place of great rest, awesome rest. Were you hearing anything yeah, specifically, seeing anything, yeah. or were you just, in, just no, enjoying? No, I wasn't. Um, I had had some amazing words, but I, I remember after laying there for a while that I, I wish I could have had a recording of the prayer I prayed because it was a cool prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, I could say it was like a real humble prayer of "I'm sorry, I did this and that, and and I just want to do whatever you want me to do." You know, it was just a real new level of of sacrifice and being ready to to be a servant and mm. just love on God. 
It was an awesome experience. Good grief. That's awesome. That's great. That's so good. Yeah. Carolyn, I remember in conversation, both of you, before you went over, that you were intent, you, you wanted to go and get something and bring it back. Yes. Yeah. Did you feel like that was successful? Were you able to do that? I think I, I witnessed God doing a really mighty work. And I feel like he is moving here. And, and you know, we have a beautiful property now, but we have no building. And, and buildings are expensive these days. And you, you think about all the money that it will take to, to build what we want to build. And all that we feel in our hearts that we're being called to do, that we feel like people are going to come from around the world to be ministered to, to feel the presence of God and to, to take home with them something that they didn't have. And, and it's like, it's hard to explain, but when I was there and I saw what they were doing, I saw this is how God does it. And he's going to do it again and again and again. And anybody yeah. who's willing to humble themselves and really listen and believe him. I mean, mm. he wanted me to do the limbo and fall flat on my face on the floor and squish some little lady. In her shoes. <laughs> really? <laughs> and, you know, that that's not ladylike, is it? <laughs> But, you know, I'm willing to do whatever the Lord wants of me. And I feel like he has deposited in me a measure of faith that I need oh, wow. for what's ahead. Oh, what that's we're awesome. building with missions yeah. and with our church. Is that something you could give away now? Is that something you would want to? I know you've laid hands on us, but would you want to just pray for folks, both of you, and just, I mean, just impart? Is that something you feel like you could do? We will certainly try. <laughs> I, I'm asking the person who does the limbo in the back. I, I, I feel secure I'm going to get a yes to everything. Yeah. <laughs> you guys yes. are people of faith. Yes, yes to everything. <laughs> well, I think that sums it up, Rachel. Yes to everything. Because yeah. we limit God when we try and reason and understand things through our own little heads. And yeah. he is so big and so powerful and almighty and and I felt like I got to witness what he does when people are are willing to do whatever he asks them to do. And yeah. So, um, but before you pray, I really do want to kind of give an invitation um, because I can really like I can sense right now that there are people who are listening, and their hearts are burning, <laughs> like burning. And they don't know if it's mission. They don't know if it's for the body. They don't know if it's for their mission field here. Like the, but their hearts are burning. You remember, um, where, when, um, Jesus came back and it was the, was it the road, uh, to, um, Emmaus? And he was, he started at the very beginning, uh, in the Bible and began to tell all the stories. And the disciple says, didn't our hearts burn within us? as we heard it. And, um, and so I feel like uh, I really kind of sense that there are people whose hearts are burning and like, this is just a grand opportunity for you to just make a deposit and go ahead and pull it on out. So but, but make a deposit in them. 
Um, so yeah, I can really kind of sense that happening right now. So <laughs> take it. Yeah. <laughs> so Lord, we just thank you for, for the grace upon grace upon grace that we have in you, that you continually are transforming us and, and bringing us closer to your heart and letting us experience the more of you, and then again, the more of you, and then again, even the more of you. And for each person that's listening in, for whatever it is that they are desiring to experience in you, we know that the yes is in Jesus, Mm -hmm. every promise. The yes is in Jesus, and we claim that yes over each one. And we thank you that the desire of your heart is for us to all experience the life that we have in Christ Jesus and to experience this life abundantly. And we release the abundance, the blessing, mm. the, the providential care that comes from you, mm. the, the wisdom, even the glory and the power, Father. All that you share, everything that belongs to you, you share with us. And Lord, we're saying... We want to position ourselves to be totally plugged in, engaged, and hearing and believing you for all that you desire for us. And for every inhibition that we have, we say no to that, Mm. and we say yes, yes, yes to all the things that you have for us, these things that are beyond what we can imagine or understand, the things that we have never seen or heard, these are the things that you desire to put into our hearts. And we say, yes, Lord, yes, do that. Thanks. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, sir. Sir, thanks. We're so happy to yield to you. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Yay. Yay, books. Thanks again so much for being here. You guys are precious and special people, and we're just honored, honored to know you. You've, your love has made a difference in our lives. You guys have been comfort to us when there was just none, yeah. <laughs> except for the books. I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> we love you big, and we appreciate you. Thank you. really do. You're so, welcome. <laughs> this is, you know what? This has been a great BA Chats today. Yeah. Feel like people have um, their hearts have been set on fire. There's been a you know a kind of kindling of the flame, and um, and so we appreciate you tuning in and want you to tell everybody else about the podcast too because we're gonna keep <laughs> doing all. You're gonna we're they're just gonna keep better and getting better and better and better. And you have an opportunity if you want to experience all these wonderful people <laughs> anytime you want to right here on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks again, books. We love you big. Thanks for tuning in to Bethel Atlanta Chats.